Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up. Hello and welcome. Today we are recording this on the move on Easter Sunday. This episode will be going out on Easter Monday, so happy Easter if you acknowledge such things. Today I have Tracy Miller, my partner in life and in business. I talk about her a lot normally right at the end of each episode and uh, today we are in the car together so I thought I'd bring her in because she looks after all of the sales that we do across the whole of the business. She's got I think 20 years plus in sales, she'll tell me if that's different in a minute and uh, I thought I'd bring her in and talk about the state of the nation, the state of play with regards to sales right now because as I keep saying over and over again, sales is what grows businesses and if you're struggling right now, sales is what's going to save your business. Welcome to the Level Up Podcast with me, George Swift. The Level Up Podcast is here to give you the personal development, the entrepreneurial development, and the business growth that you, the ambitious business owner, desires. I'm here to give you the inspiration, the motivation, but above all else, as always, to give you the aspiration to take you and your business to the next level. Okay, Tracy, talk to me. The title of this episode is how, yes, sales probably is tougher. What are you finding right now? Um, Well, first of all, hello. It's very nice to be here. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely finding sales tougher. Not necessarily um, getting people in to see what we do. I actually think that's easier. So I think right now the market is quite buoyant in that respect. But the bit that I'm finding tougher is actually getting people to make a, a big decision. So getting them over the line to commit to anything kind of long term, which is fundamentally what you need to, to grow a business. So that bit I'm definitely finding tougher at the moment. And I think that's fair to say actually, because I think one of the things we're finding across the whole of the, the club, the whole of success groups, is where people, they've got lots in play, they're having lots of sales conversations, but they're really struggling to push it across the line. And people are taking longer to say yes, and more people are kind of saying, let's do it later, let's put it off. Um, I've got my own ideas of why I think that is. From your experiences at the uh, on the front line for BBB, what are you finding? So I think there's a couple of things for me. So I think the reason people are much more interested at the moment in having the sales conversations is because more people are looking for something. So given the nature of what we've been through over the last um, 12 months and the transience of the business world and, um, and you know, the economy and, you know, um, well, political, economic, technical, social landscapes. I mean, it's it's just in, in constant change. So I think people are waking up to the fact that they need help to navigate this. And so they're really open to the sales conversation and the possibility. Where the crunch comes, which is also linked to the, the transience of um, the environment that we're in at the moment, is when they are asked to commit to a certain amount of time. Now, we know in our business that you know, we, we, I'm sure you've mentioned it, but we don't sell a magic pill. You know, it takes time and energy and effort to create the growth that we're looking to create with our um, members. So we get them to commit, but it's that commitment that's causing them problems and challenges. So, um, so, you know, when they can't, they can't 
predict what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, given <clears throat> the nature of what's happened, you know, government decisions. So it's very hard, I think, at the moment for people to make long term decisions about, um, you know, the, 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 the growth of their business. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's, you know, one thing. On the other thing, on the other side um, is, you know, as the market changes, so as more people either get made redundant from the corporate environment or um, are reevaluating life. So they realize that actually the corporate job that they were holding isn't the job that they want and they're looking for more freedoms and, and um, you know, more autonomy um, around um, how they run their lives. Um, as more of those guys come out into the market, more of people like us come out into the market as well. And um, interestingly, I did a short video yesterday about exactly this which is my frustration around um, you know business coaches coming onto the market looking really experienced and knowledgeable charging inordinate amounts of money and not being able to deliver because they just don't have the experience and I appreciate people need to start somewhere but to position yourself as someone with all the experience when you don't have it I think is fundamentally wrong and so as more of these people come out into the market um, it creates more uncertainty about where you should spend your time, money, and energy to get the result. So I think those two things in conjunction are making sales tougher. It doesn't mean it's not possible, it just means we need to approach it in a, in a different way. Because I think also, I mean, to summarize what you said there, basically when people are uncertain, so in the face of uncertainty, most people do nothing, right? They, they, they procrastinate True. and they don't make a decision. What they need is a degree of certainty. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but a degree of certainty in order to commit. And the more you're asking them to commit time and money and energy, then the more certainty they need. And maybe a way of looking at it is, you know, a year ago or so before this kicked off, people were happy to make a degree of commitment. Let's say with our business, let's say they needed 70% certainty and then the rest of the 30% they would do on belief and trust, right? Yeah. They trust in us and believe in what we're doing and that was okay. Whereas maybe now what people need is 85% or even 90% certainty and they don't feel they have the, the belief and the trust that they, that they need in order to kind of push it over that line, to you know, yeah. make up that 100% if you like, in order to make that absolute commitment. And maybe, you know, if you're listening to this right now, that might be what's happening for you, you know, which is your clients, let's say you're asking for a degree of commitment, financial investment and energetic investment at time, and let's say you could sell on 60 or 70% certainty and the rest would be made up with a look you in the eyes and just trust you and trust what you're doing and they're willing to risk a degree, you know, a percentage of that. And now maybe all it is is your client base needs 80% as opposed to 60% and you're going in with the same sales approach, the same sales methodology, the same uh, sales uh, strategies and you're not getting to that 80% point that they need in order to, to, to for them to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Because I do think that, you know, if you look at things like Deliveroo and stuff, I mean, you know, no one's sitting there really procrastinating on ordering pizza right now. It's gone through the roof, right? Everyone feels certain they have enough money for a pizza and to create a night out in. And therefore, those kind of businesses have really taken off. But for us, for example, I mean, money-wise, we're, you know, we're, we're relative investment compared to where they are at. Um, I wouldn't say we're expensive by a long shot, but we're a relative investment. What we are, however, is we are a big energy and time investment because success groups only works if you're fully committed to it. And we do demand a fair degree of investment of time and energy uh, for it, you know, in, in, in our products. And therefore, 
with the degree of uncertainty that's out there in the world right now, they just are finding it harder to, to get to that point. And a point I made the other day to the group, uh, you and their trace, and the point I made to the group was actually how we used to be able to sell almost like on three touch points. You know, you'd have one conversation with someone who'd say been referred to us. We'd then bring them into uh, an event where we would show them what we did and explain what we do. A degree of people would just sign up there and then. I mean, a high proportion of people would just sign up there and then. And then other people just maybe needed one more phone call after that from you in order to join. And when we took the business online, which obviously changed some of the uh, cultural in, uh, and, and changed some of the products and stuff, actually what we found was we can't get sales in that way. We can't rely on just 1.2.3 point in. And actually our sales process has been extended now to more points of contact and we're doing a lot more nurturing. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we've brought in in order to to do more of that nurture and handhold and to, to, again I think I think what it does for, for me say if I'm wrong but it does also build a lot more of that sort of trust and belief in that as well as we're building that certainty as we go yeah so there's a number of things that we've done so um, we took the opportunity uh, which we did advise lots of business owners to do was really invest in their business during last year so you know, it's, it kind of felt quite counterproductive when everyone was freezing and holding on to their money. But we made a decision to make an investment because we knew the market was um, was changing. And so we completely rebranded so that the website reflected who we were um, or where our clients were today as opposed to where they were yesterday, which is a very different place. So, so that was number one, was really making sure that the website um, reflected who we were but also made it easy to navigate and easy to understand what it was that we fundamentally offered so i did a just jumping in yeah. i did a, an episode on that just recently which is about talking to where your customers are at now yeah and if you're communicating in the way that you were communicating to them a year ago given the incredible degree of change and i talked about how we'd seen five years worth of change in six months last year how actually it's not surprising that we weren't hitting the mark with our Quite. sales conversation. So what I'll do is I'll dig that episode out and I'll put a link, um, or at least put the description, uh, sorry, put the title of that episode so you can go and find that as well because I actually think that ties in really nicely with uh, with what you're about to say right now. Yeah, so that's number one. Um, number two is um, we, uh, have a, well, we have a policy of putting our members out first. So it's all very well us saying, you know, we're amazing, we're amazing. But actually what really matters is the impact and results that we're having with our members. So we made a conscious decision to really put our members front and center, um, which, you know, has a dual impact. So obviously it, it significantly helps our members, so it raises profile. But also it means that it's not about us saying that we're good, it's about our members talking about real life experience of what it was like to work with us and it helps future clients then relate so you know if there's a um well we have somebody recently actually who um is a um uh, content writer and on our website there's another content writer who's basically walked the path that she wants to walk and it just makes sense in that moment um that you would you would want to walk the path of that that particular person so making our our clients front and center you know we put a lot of energy and effort around case studies testimonials that kind of thing um, and we've really stepped our game up with that luckily we have lots of material for that um, so that's what we've done at that end we also um, do a lot more work pre-event so we have conversations with them beforehand we want to find out about them you know are they 
really right for us? What are they trying to achieve? What are some of the challenges? Really trying to help them as best as we can before the event. We then have the event. We then um, do a follow-up process after the event. So again, having conversations, referring back to what they um, mentioned were challenges beforehand. Um, if you've done your work in the sales process of really understanding what your customers' challenges are, what they're trying to solve, but taking it that one step further, which is what is the impact of them solving that problem that you can potentially help them with, and what is the impact also of them not solving it? If you've done that work beforehand, you can refer back to that um, afterwards, so after the event or whatever it is that you've run or part of your sales process. Can I jump in? Yeah. I actually think what's really important there um, is actually is, is the fact that people do forget very quickly. Yeah. So when you engage with them at the beginning and they acknowledge your real pain and they see a potential solution in you, and we've seen this a number yeah, of yeah, times, of course. and you then, down the line, show them explicitly how you can solve that pain and give them what they want, they very quickly can forget that that's why they came to you in the first place and they'll find another reason not to move forward, right. even though you've tackled what they wanted head on, they even admit to you that you're the solution to that problem, but there's another problem that pops up or another, I don't want to use the word excuse, right? But let's use the word excuse for the time being. Another excuse, another reason why uh, they don't move forward. And I think what you're doing there is really important, which is you've got to gather data so you know what you're selling to and what you're selling against in terms of what their fears are, their doubts are. But also it's really important that you move them slowly along the path saying, right, do we both agree that this is the right thing? Yeah. And then rather than going through the whole process, trying to do one close at the end and then rely that they've come with you all the way along that that path with you, and then you're trying to almost close them on every part of what they've said rather yeah. than actually get the agreement, right, if we can show you this, is this going to be something that's right for you? Yeah. And have we shown you that? Yes, I have. Right, we can move to the next part of this conversation. And then the key bit, which is the clincher. So once you've got somebody to a point where they're right on the edge, the clincher for me has been um, reference calls with our existing members, which has been utterly invaluable. Um, I did it recently for someone else, actually, who asked me to be a reference call for them. Um, and I think when you've got a product that your customers buy into, they will happily do reference calls um, for you. And you want to start creating a culture around that. So we really value reference calls um, from existing members, especially if they're in the field that the person you're trying to convert is in. Um, it's just so invaluable hearing from somebody that's been, you know, a client for 18 months or, you know, two years um, that have been using your products and see, seen the impact. So they, they're the real clinchers, not something we um, you know, I kind of had it in my kit bag, but I wasn't rolling out to this degree um, before all this happened. But now that conversation is really helping to just allay fears that we are the real deal and we are, you know, we are getting results and, you know, it is really worth making that commitment. And I think, and I think, you're you home said, right, we, we used to always have this up our sleeve, right? Where if someone was really close and there was just that little bit of nervousness, and of course there's gonna be a degree of nervousness because they don't know for sure exactly what it's gonna be no. like until you buy. They don't know exactly what they're gonna get until they've spent six months, 12 months with us. So you've always got a degree of that doubt in there. You're never gonna get 100% certain. Well, I say that. Occasionally we do find people that are 100% certain. Most of the time there's a degree of doubt in there. And what we do is we alleviate as much of that as possible where the opportunity massively, massively outweighs yeah. the degree of doubt and risk that's sort of left as yeah. far as they see it. But I think what's really important there, actually, for people to know is that, you know, we talk about 
our customer base, I mean, they're our members, we talk about them as being part of our business and we see them as part of our business and we treat them sure. as part of our business, not just a, a product or a commodity or as a, as a client. You know, we, we invite them into our business and they belong to our business and they're part of our business and we're grateful for them. And because of that, we, we utilize them as a part of the business and they're happy to do that. And I think it's really important for uh, people listening that if you, you know, if you do have a large uh, list of, of, of successes of customers that are happy don't shy away from asking them to have conversations with prospects because it's a bit like a live testimonial you know but even in today's world you know we're still we still don't trust necessarily testimonials you know written testimonial we trust less than a testimonial with a picture for example don't we and then the, and then a video testimonial has the most uh, credibility, but even now, I don't know about you, but even I look at it sometimes. And I think I'm not trusting 100% that video testimonial either. And I think having someone on an actual phone for 20 minutes, half an hour. Sometimes people spend an hour, hour and a half with our members, asking them, "What's it like? What, I, what am I going to get? What?" And we don't prime anyone. We don't prime our members. Right? We don't say, "Right, you've got to do a sales pitch for us." What we do is say, "Right, can you talk to them and just share with them exactly what you've got out of it, how it works for you, and just listen to whatever their questions are." You know, because we trust that they're going to say the things that are either going to attract the right people or potentially they will repel yeah. the ones that aren't necessarily 100% right for us. And I think it's really important for people to understand that actually these, you know, your customers and your clients um, are a huge part of your credibility and we shouldn't just sit back and rely on a written testimonial no. or even a video testimonial or case study for example I think um, I just want to add something because I think the key thing um, I, I think the world has shifted well I know the world has shifted so you know the, the de- whilst there are still hardcore salespeople out there I think the time is coming for that to come to an end and I think more than ever we need to come at sales with a degree of compassion for the client that we're selling to um, you know, sales and compassion don't typically go together. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, it doesn't, it's not typically what people consider um, is a good match. But I think if you, if you come at the sales um, process with, with complete compassion for where your client is, um, I think you can be way more effective than if you come at it with the hardcore, you know, I'm gonna nail your feet to the floor um, regardless of anything, so and I think, I think that's passion a, first. I think for me at the moment, and that's a massive right, and that's a huge thing, right? Because yeah. because it is frustrating. It is frustrating when you're in the presence of someone, right? And, and I'm sure the small businesses listening, right? I'm sure you're not the kind of put on the thumb screws, put your foot in the door kind of salespeople, because very very few people are actually like that. Um, you know, the professional hardcore, you know, used car salesman type energy. Um, but actually, I do think it's important because I think. Even for us guys, you know, you, you, you're looking at someone in the eyes that you know you can help, you know you're right for, you can see their pain. We're set up, our entire business, and I'm sure people listening, your entire business is set up to serve and to help and to make people's lives better in some way, shape or form. And therefore, it can be so infuriating and you can get frustrated, and I've done it myself if I'm honest, you get frustrated with the very people you're trying to help because it's almost like they won't let you help them and it's not and that's not what they're doing they're just scared right and if you bring the compassion of where they're at that they are just scared and they are nervous 
it does change your your energy with them. It's like having a child, isn't it? And, you know, when you realise a child isn't just playing up or acting up or being a pain in the the child is actually scared or nervous or has anxiety, it's much easier to be compassionate. Same with a dog. Right? If a dog bites you and you think it's just because it's an arsehole, it's very hard to have any compassion with a dog. But if a dog bites you and you realise the dog's been abused and it's actually, you might not, you know, you still feel the pain, but it, especially with dog people like you and I, yeah. um, you're going to have a little bit more compassion for that dog than you would do if you just thought it's a complete arsehole. And I think that's probably something really important to understand is people aren't going out to be arseholes even if it feels like you know you're doing this entire sales process you're putting all this energy in you've done everything right and then they pull some bullshit kind of feeling excuse out for not doing business with you if you can bring that compassion and understanding to it it's better for you obviously but also of course you're going to handle anything that comes up in a much much better way yeah and I think I think it's just you know I'm thinking about um, some people just recently actually who I know should have joined our club but didn't and you know you, you, you from a business owner's perspective you put so much energy out there to get your sales right you know you put so much energy out there to get your product right so much energy to get that lead in the first place and then to have someone so close and then just fear getting in the way or just doubt getting in the way or whatever what would your advice be, right? So we're at the moment, let's say we're at the point of no return, right? So they've said they've said whatever they've said, right? And it yeah. may or may not be based on real reality, but it's their reality. Yeah. You can continue just to push, 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 right? In which case you just become that used car salesperson yeah. and you just become a bit of an arsehole, right? And no one wants that. What's your advice at that point? So you have to back away. Let's say you've made a decision, yep. and here's a really a big caveat don't make that decision too easy or too early mm -hmm. to back out because yep. it's getting uncomfortable for you yep. it's really about being pragmatic and saying right we're not getting anywhere here now it's over right yeah what's your advice at that point there when you have to let them go yep. how do you disengage in a way yep. that leaves the door open for them but also leaves the door open for the business like say for us to be able to reapproach them in a way where the relationship that we've spent so long nurturing you might not have got the sale, but you haven't lost any of the relationship that yeah. you've built in that time and trust that you've built so far. Yeah. What's your advice at that point of disengagement? Okay, so well, you made an interesting point there. So um, just um, it's the sales experience you mentioned. So I've had 15 years as a professional salesperson and then 12 years in this business in sales. So a bit longer than the 20 years. 27. Yeah, quite a few few years longer. Um, so, um, and, and George is absolutely right. So. It, don't use this scenario as a an excuse to pull out of the sales process, right? So, and I know sales is a really uncomfortable subject for a lot of business owners. So you have to you have to keep keep pushing, um, basically until you get to the point where it's a clear no. And when it's a clear no, however frustrating that clear no is. Um, what I always look to do, so we've got a, a case in point actually. So somebody that I was working with, absolutely 100% know that we are right for this this um, particular person. Just know it to my soul that we could help them. The challenges that they're talking about is right in our sweet spot. Um, I know that we can help them, but they've categorically said, no, it's not for them for all the wrong reasons, I'm 100% I'm sure. Um, so what I'm going to do with that, I've, I've left it a week or so just to let the whole thing cool down a little bit. But actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a letter, a physical letter, 
um, to them with a little gift to say, you know, this is this is where I'm at. Res totally respectful decision. Let's keep the door open. Um, here's a little gift. Perhaps when things change, um, you know, we might um, we might have this conversation again. Now, the reason I'm going to do that is because I know that that person has made a decision through fear. It's not the right decision for them. I don't believe they've made a decision from a place of fear. And what I want to do is compassionately keep the door open for them, so that if they have a little bit of a rethink, then the door is wide open. Because at the moment, the door is closed. Um, how do you disengage? again you come back to compassion the only time you find it hard to disengage is when you feel like you've somehow been affronted or um, you know it's personal that's when you you um, you can't disengage when you come back to compassion so when you come to a place of really understanding where that person's coming from and in this particular case they're just scared they're just scared of making a long-term commitment um, when they just don't know what the landscape's going to do you know they've been hit hard by what's happened and they just don't know what the landscape's going to do so when you can come back to compassion you um then think about what's your intention so my intention is to keep the door open on this person to to get them to realize that i understand where they're at to keep the door open so i'm going to write them a letter in the post send them a little gift it's impossible to ignore um, and that just keeps the door open. So that's my advice. When you need to disengage, which you will do, you have to come back to compassion. Let go of the sensation that it is about you. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all about them. Um, and yeah, come back to compassion every time. And I think, you know, we're wrapping up in just a second, but I do think um, that it is important right now to understand that you know, I've talked about how we might be able to, in the old days, you know, the old days, a year ago, um, <laughs> yeah. be able to close someone from not knowing this person, uh, two touches, right? I mean, one call with you, in a room, bang, done, right? And I don't know, maybe it's taking five now, you know, in comparison to the two or three it was taken before. I think it's important to understand that these people, for example, they might just take a lot longer. Yeah. And whilst it feels like a lot of energy, not just send a little gift now, that's quite easy, right? Yeah. It's a nice thing to do, by the way, but it's, yeah. it's easy. But we're gonna keep in touch with this person over the next however many months, right? And of course, it feels like a lot of energy to be spending on someone who's already said no, but actually the fact that this person got to the point where they were literally like, I mean, on the line of saying so yes, um, it takes a lot of energy to get someone else back to that point. Okay. And it is worth the effort and the energy to stay in touch with that person, um, just to maintain all of the, relationship that you've worked so hard on through uh, through the sales process to, to get to that point. You know, there is a school of thought, which is, you know, you push them and push them and push them. Um, but what typically happens is, you know, if Tracy carried on pushing this person, I know what happened is that he would just keep pushing back harder and harder. Sure. We'd get to a point where we literally fell out, right? Where he wouldn't take her call, he wouldn't take her email, and any gift she sent would feel like some manipulative sales process yeah. and he'd probably just throw it out or something, right? So for me, I do believe in all markets, by the way, but especially now, I don't think it's like a Hail Mary all for the clothes or nothing, you know? I do think there's a, a place where you can get them right up to the line just before maybe you start to really piss them off or just to the point, because you pushed this guy hard. It wasn't like you made yeah. it easy for him to no, say no. Absolutely. So let that be said, you know, I'm putting that caveat in over and over again. This isn't saying, oh, would you like to join? No, okay then, and then send him a gift <laughs> no. and come back to him six months time. This is a full-on sales process where we are making it uncomfortable for them in the sense that they have to give us a definitive decision with real reasons that we can accept, right? And they have to do that for us to disengage. When we decide at that point to disengage, 
It's about making sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We've lost the deal, we've lost the sale, we've lost the member, but what we haven't lost is the relationship we've built, the trust of that person. Potentially that person becomes a referrer. If they never join us, it's possible they end up becoming a referrer of ours because we treated them so well and we weren't that outrageously pushy place. And I think that's the hardest thing. And I'll do an episode, an episode again, and I'll probably invite Trace on that one as well with sales, which is, you know, how do we find that balancing point, you know, between being full on with sales, pushing sales hard, but equally not pushing so hard that you either violate your own your own values yourself and you know you go to bed like feeling dirty or you just go around pissing the whole world off because you're just some out and out full-on hardcore salesperson and I think uh, you have to find that line for yourself I'm sure there's people out there that felt Tracy was pushed too hard I'm sure and I'm sure there's people out there that we definitely would have not been able to help and even save their businesses and create incredible success in their businesses had Tracy not pushed as hard as they are so this isn't about you taking your lead from every customer and saying, oh, you know, because some customers might feel you're too pushy just for saying, would you like to buy my product? And other people need you to be with them and nurturing them for a month of nonstop kind of attention um, and handling their objections in order to sell to them. And they'll be the most grateful people for it. And we have a whole bunch of members that I know are super grateful that Tracy did push as hard as she pushed for that sale. So you have to find that line. And we'll do an episode on that at some point in the near future. Right, so we're going to wrap it up there. Tracy, thank you for joining me on this episode. It's been a pleasure. Super valuable. Uh, 27 years of sales experience, 12 with us. Um, I do a little bit of sales here and there, but I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it all comes under Tracy's. Um, I educate people with sales, do content around sales. Tracy literally does the sales at the front end. So I rely on her to let me know what's happening in the world from our experiences. And of course, we're always getting feedback from our members as well. I hope you are not having too difficult a time out there. If, however, you are finding sales harder than you were, it probably is because it is more difficult for many small business owners. That doesn't mean you can't do sales. It certainly doesn't mean you shouldn't do sales. And as I said right at the beginning of this episode, sales is the only thing that's going to grow your business and it's the only thing that's going to save your business if you're finding yourself in real dire struggles. So I will see you next time. Until then, if you want to find out a little bit more about what we're doing at Bigger Bright Boulder and our success groups, please do go to biggerbrighterbolder.co.uk see what we're doing whether you're launching your business right now from scratch whether you've got a business doing 20 30 40 maybe even 50 60k you want to build that business to 100k plus or if you're doing 100k plus maybe even up towards half a million in turnover and you want to scale that business then we have groups of ambitious business owners just like you doing that very thing who would love to be a part of your entrepreneurial journey of success i will see you next time until then as always be successful Leveling up. Extreme business growth through raising your game. When what was once extraordinary becomes ordinary, you know you've leveled up.